You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Love Talk Live. I'm your host, Jamie Bronstein, and today I have with me Ashley Stahl. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here today. I think we're going to have a great discussion. Um, You guys, you are in store for such valuable wisdom from this lady. She has a lot to share. I am here for it. Okay. So let's read a little bit about Ashley so you guys can get an idea of who she is, where she came from, what she does, everything. So Ashley Stahl is a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, international bestselling author, Fortune 500 spokesperson, and expert on intuition, personal branding, and fulfillment. Damon John, star of Shark Tank, references Ashley's bestselling book, U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction Design, Your Dream Career, as the ultimate guide to discover your path in the workforce. With nearly 7 million views, her TED Talk on Intuition and Fulfillment is ranked amongst the top 100 TED Talks on the internet. Between her online courses, subscribers, and show The U-Turn Podcast with 2 million downloads, she's been able to support clients in 78 countries in self-discovery, uplifting their confidence, and finding career fulfillment. So, Ashley, um, is there anything you haven't done? I mean, I haven't been a backup dancer yet, and I totally would love to do that, and I would love to go to culinary school. But right now, I'm in a meditation teacher training with no intention of becoming a teacher. I'm just taking it for fun. Obsessed. Okay. So I love that you're doing that because you're just, yeah. you want to learn about it um, and be the best meditator possible. Yeah. Maybe you'll teach at some point. Maybe you won't. Maybe I won't. But the backup dancer and what was the other one? Uh, I want to go to culinary school at some point, but not like, I feel like life is an experiment and I've been seeing it this way. And that's how I've helped people the most is I help lighten people up on their career and help them see who they are. And so I think for me, that's been my strategy. It's worked for me beautifully, especially as an entrepreneur. But even when I was in the workforce, um, I think it's so important that you follow the breadcrumbs and we're multifaceted people. And so it's important to give ourselves that permission slip to be multifaceted and to be who we are. Um, and I think a lot of that comes through experimentation. Yeah. And and a lot of people don't have a lot of interests or passions or things that they even want to do. So it's so wonderful when they're, you know, sometimes my clients will be like, there's just so many things I want to do. I don't know where to start. And I say, this is a good problem to have. And it sounds like you have that good problem also. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it's a fine line, right? Because, um, you know, I always like to say there's three lily pads in your career. And I like to get people in my book and in my podcast to the second one. Uh, the first one is where a lot of people are. And that is the one where they're fine. They're paying their bills. Maybe they're not in love with their, what they're doing, but it's a means to an end, whatever that end is. I think a lot of people feel threatened by the idea of leaving that lily pad because it feels safe. It feels comfortable. It's what they know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's what they witnessed. They saw their parents kind of get by and do that. And they're doing the same thing. The second lily pad is where I try to get people, which is knowing what your gift is. So. The message of my book and all my work is don't do what you love, do what you are. And the second lily pad is a place where when you make it from the first one to the second one, you know what your gift is. 
And the name of the game becomes opportunity. It becomes a filtering game. It's like, I know where I'm gifted and I'm going to take a role or create a business in line with this gift. And because it's so rare to see someone who's excellent at what they do, you really notice it. You can't help but notice it. Like, even if you think about your team, you probably have a lot of amazing people on your team, but there's always a rock star that it's like, oh, this person is locked in with their skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And those people tend to get approached for opportunities because people just want the good vibes to keep flowing from them. And so the name of the game with that sort of situation is yes or no, yes or no. What opportunities are coming? Which ones feel right for me? And when you take the right opportunities, and and by the way, opportunities can be one of the highest forms of distraction, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're so abundant, but they can also be very distracting if you take the wrong one. So if you take the right ones, you eventually have an opportunity to possibly make your way over to the third lily pad, which to me is Dharma. And Dharma is about really knowing what your calling is, really knowing what your purpose is. And the only time I've ever fully experienced that lily pad was when I was writing my book. It felt like words were flying through my fingertips, straight from the sky, through my skull, like onto the page. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I flitted in and out of the third and the second one. Um, But my intention is to help people really get clear on who are you and how can you bring more of that into your career? And I think a common mistake that people make when they're, you know, in between. So let's say that they're in a job or in a business right now and everything's fine, but they don't love it, you know, uh, and fine isn't a bad word. Sometimes fine can mean like it's totally working. Um, But for a lot of people, they say they're fine and they're just not in touch with their pain. So if they have a lot of pain where they are, if they're not feeling connected, what's tempting is just to grab onto something for the sake of having a plan. Like, let me just grab onto this shiny little plan so I can tell people that this is me now. And there's, there's nothing really stronger than our desire as humans to identify with something. And so it's very tempting to just grab on for dear life, to feel like we have a plan, we have a purpose, we have a place. It makes us feel safe. But the problem is that it's disguised as moving forwards when really we're moving backwards. We're eventually going to have to undo it if it's not the truth and and be where we were in the first place. So I would say I stand for being experimental, but I also stand for being intentional. Um, And so, you know, given that the gut is called the second brain for a reason, we have 200 million neurons in there, which is the size of a cat or dog's brain. There's a wisdom to when we feel a pull towards something. There's a wisdom and an intelligence to when our stomach sinks. And it's so important that we tune into that wisdom, that we listen to that wisdom and we follow through with it. It's not surprising that your TED Talk has been so successful because you you deliver your message with such authenticity and you're so articulate And I have 12,000 million thoughts that came up throughout what you just said. So I don't even know where to start, but (laughs) let's start with my favorite topic, which is what we were just talking about, which is intuition. Yeah. So let's talk about this. I have my own ways that how I describe intuition. Um, And I obviously talk about relationships all the time and using your intuition with relationships and dating. Sounds like you're talking about it more with life and career. So, which obviously have viewers that have lives and careers. So let's talk about intuition in that, in that frame and tell the viewers how to, how do you describe how to strengthen your intuition, how to strengthen that muscle? 
I mean, first, it it's, comes down to defining what is intuition. And I love that you kind of pointed out it might not be domain specific, meaning you might have really good intuition in your career, but you're not act. And it's not that you don't have intuition in your love life. It's that you're not accessing it. There's something blocking you. So for me, the definition of intuition is knowing what you know without knowing why you know it. So, you know, I'll, I'll say that again. It's knowing what you know without knowing why you know it. And, you know, I worked in counterterrorism in my 20s and intuition was taught to me as a life-saving tactical tool. Um, I learned a lot in working in intelligence and counterterrorism as a way to save my own life. And I've since harnessed intuition as something that just lives inside of my life and breathes into my decisions. Um, I'm probably better at intuition in my personal life with my friends, in my career than I am in my love life. Like that sounds like that's an area that you've mastered. Um, and there's many different ways to look at it. First of all, people mistake intuition with instinct. To me, instinct is about your body. It's, you don't have to think about breathing. It just happens. That's instinct. It's animal. You know, um, animals run away from the shore within hours of a tsunami. It's, it's, it's instinct. Their bodies know their bodies are picking up on a frequency or something in the environment that is telling them to run away. Mm. It's automatic. It's not thought of. And then we have intellect. And I think that's the problem with the time that we're living in now is intellect is overly valued. Yes, it's valuable, but there are certain things that we cannot intellectualize. Feelings, love, heart, soul. There's so much underneath the surface. And living in a world that is so heavy on intellect uh, leaves room for confusion. Like think about all of the people who you know, go to the top school, get the top degree, and they hate their life, right? And that's not everyone, obviously, thank God. But that happens. Then you have the people who like didn't finish college, but they found their calling, they're they're an entrepreneur, they're this, they're that, and they're so wildly successful. It's like intellectually we've been taught that there's a linear path to success in the world that we're in right now. And what happens along the way is that we miss something really important, and that's intuition, the third level of the human experience. So how do you tune into your intuition? I think um, what happens is that we get stuck in being who we're not. And the reason we do that is fear or noise. You know, we've been told so much about who we should be, what we should want. Mm. And it gets so noisy that we can't really tune in to who we really are or what we really want or what matters to us. So intuition is a coming home to yourself. And if you feel cut off from yourself, if you don't like where you are, the first order of business is to say to yourself, what brings me back to me? What are the people, the places, the friends, the things that make me feel myself? How do I get back in my body? So in my case, um, I like the massages, but it doesn't have to be an expense finding yourself. It could be just putting your feet in the sand at the beach. Like I noticed for me, I grew Angeles and now I live in New York City. But when I go back to the ocean, I feel like me again for so many reasons. Like there's something about the sand and the sound that's so meditative for me. I bring my journal and I leave feeling alive again. Uh, my friends, I have a few friends. I have a lot of great, amazing girlfriends, but there's a couple in particular where I spend time with them and it brings me back online with who I am. And so if you feel cut off, you first need to get back into yourself before you even start trying to make career, life, or love decisions. Yes. And I love what you're saying because what I'm hearing is you're feeling alive. Yeah. 
when we are connected with ourselves, our authentic selves, our core selves, we feel alive. And that is the place from which we manifest everything. And everything comes in the way that it's supposed to in divine timing. We're in the flow of our lives when we are in touch with ourselves, in touch with our intuition, and we feel alive. And so some people might be watching and they might be thinking, I've never felt alive. And so I like that you're giving these practical ways to feel alive and to connect with your intuition because that's a scary thing, whether it's relationships or business, your career or anything in life. If you've never felt it, that's why people do settle. So that's why intuition is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sometimes we get so cut off that we're so far away from ourselves that um, settling becomes our default setting. We don't even know we're doing it. We just kind of surrender to the belief that this is what it is. This is what life is. And there's so much more to it. I mean, even if you look at the research on our brain, we're using a very small percentage of what's available in our brain capacity. So we've created an entire life. And by the way, it's such an achievement to be alive. Like we got to go to school, get our degree, maybe not, but you need to wake up every day. You need to work. You need to make food for yourself so that you can keep existing. I mean, it actually takes so much work just to exist. And so I have a lot of compassion for people who are feeling very much so like they are at square one. Um, I've had a lot happen in my life and just like a lot of people have that's forced me to wake up. But my wish for people and the message behind my book, U-Turn, Y-O-U-Turn, which is two words, is instead of driving in traffic and making a U-Turn and going back the way you came when things aren't going right, making a Y-O-U-Turn, coming home to yourself and having that critical moment of honesty where you say to yourself, okay, I feel something. My body is telling me that this is a no or this is a yes. And instead of pushing it down, I'm going to let it come up and I'm going to get curious. Like, what is it about this thing that I'm feeling pulled to? Why is this a breadcrumb? Why do I feel like I want to follow it? For example, I have a really good friend in New York City named Rich, and he goes to London quite often and he has family out there. And it's almost like every single time he talks about London, I tell him, like, don't you see that this is a breadcrumb? Like, you need to go live in London for a while. And my intuition tells me that he'll be fine after a couple years with coming back to New York City. Mm-hmm. But there's something in me that just feels like his soul needs to experience life in London. He has this yearning and he's not in touch with it. And he's like, mm-hmm. why would you say that? And I'm like, well, you keep talking about it. And so it's funny. Sometimes we just need to ask for feedback from the people around us. And there's a lot of relationship books who validate the idea. Um, the Science of Happily Ever After is a book that talks about research that indicates, and I don't know if you've read that one, Jamie, maybe you have. Um, have you? No. no. Yeah. That was, was about, I can't recall. The Science of Happily Ever After, it talks about a research it's study. not like Helen people. Fisher. I don't know. I know she's like all about science of love. Okay. It could be. Yeah, it it found in one of the studies in the book that people tend to know if you're destined for divorce or breakup more than you do as a couple. And it makes sense why. I mean, your friends are neutral observers, or it's that your friends tend to know, sorry. So your friends tend to know whether you're destined for doom or not more than you do. I think the reason for that is because they're just neutral witnesses. They can see on your body, in your eyes, in your tone, is this person good for you? And they don't have that attachment of making your life, quote unquote, move forward. 
They have the attachment to your happiness. And I think this is very much the case in your career as well. People can tell when you're resonant. People can tell when you like what you're doing. And if you don't, usually you don't want to see it because you're too attached to your life moving, quote unquote, forward, whatever that means to you. So it's effective to be able to instead ask some people around you, when have you seen me at my best? When have you seen me performing in work? Like ask your colleagues, ask your professors, ask your parents, when have you seen me at my best professionally, personally? And their answers might surprise you, but that is just a starter pack on your path to getting back into yourself and collecting feedback. And obviously one of the biggest problems we have in our time now is we don't listen to ourselves. So notice what they say and tune into yourself. What resonates for you? I love what you're saying. And so when now this is important, when you're choosing the people to ask for some feedback from, you need to make sure that these are people that love you unconditionally and that don't judge that are unbiased as as much as possible, because it's kind of, there's a fine line between the noise, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to the noise and not tuning into yourself and listening to everybody else versus those people that might see things, people that you trust, people that might see things that you're not seeing. A hundred percent. It's also a fine line because if you think about being in the workforce, your colleagues are going to be able to give you feedback and they might not love you unconditionally, but they see you unconditionally. They see like, this is where this person is doing well. So I think the line with that is when you want to collect feedback in the workplace, knowing that you just want to ask someone that you think really has had a good sense of you. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, as you were talking, once again, relationships, I was thinking of the people that have told me, you know, we were talking about divorce, the people that have told me that they're getting divorced and they say, are you surprised? And I will be honest and I'll say no. And it's going exactly with what you're saying. Yeah. Because as outsiders, we do see things. But I think the problem, and bring it back to business or relationships, the problem is that when someone is in this situation and they actually do have a good intuition intuition about things, they're scared to ask sometimes, I think. Mm. They're scared to say, do you think this person is right for me? Do you see me being in love? Do you see me being so happy in this job? Because they know the answer. Yeah. But they are in their fear and they want to just proceed because they don't know what else to do. Yeah, 100%. And I, I have so much con- – compassion for that because it's hard to be in this world sometimes. And there's a lot going on in it between pandemics and people we love living under the threat, getting sick, um, having to provide for yourself, the workforce reshifting. I mean, there's just always so much going on. And I think that a lot of us know what we know and we spend all day trying not to know it because a lot of the time what we know is inconvenient. And happiness is truly... It's not for the faint of heart in this way. No. It takes so much work to be happy. It's not like you just wake up and happiness comes and hits you over the head. You choose it. And the process of choosing it often looks like saying no to things that could make you happy in the short term for who you get to be or what you get to have in the long term. And that's why there's so much content out there around this idea that discipline creates freedom. You know, like I love cupcakes, but, and and I'm going to feel a sense of restriction if I can't eat 20, you know, a bunch of cupcakes every day because I want to be fit and healthy. But, and, and I could look at myself in the mirror and say, oh, I want to have a cupcake. It makes me feel, I feel so restricted. 
But the truth is, if I have too many cupcakes, I'm going to be a prisoner of my body. I'm not going to feel well, and it's going to take me over. That's why discipline is freedom. Choosing who you want to be and supporting that along the way, that's the true freedom, creating who you want to be. And so I think really asking yourself these questions from an honest place, letting yourself know what you know, and instead of pushing it down, letting the, the reality be that sometimes you might have to undo your life, and it's okay because you get to put it back together better. I'm so happy that we're living in a time where, you know, people talk about social media and it's negative. And of course there are negative things about it. However, positive things are books. You're writing a, mm-hmm. you wrote a book. I wrote a book. We both have podcasts. When people do are doing good, we want to inspire people. Yeah. And I'm bringing this up because a long time ago there people really were alone. They did feel alone. They didn't have yeah. things like this to watch to get inspired, to not feel so alone and to, to be able to listen to themselves and ask the people that they love. They didn't know what to do. And so I'm so, I'm feeling so enlightened right now and so happy that we do live in this world where I think the younger generation, they're getting smarter. Yeah. They're getting more in touch. They're getting more emotionally intelligent, soulfully intelligent also. Yes. Yes. And I think that this has been coming. Like I remember a moment five, six years ago, I saw Tony Robbins on the cover of Fortune magazine. And it was one of those moments where I felt the future leaking into the present because the article was about how many CEOs are listening to him in the Fortune 500 and how many CEOs have coaches in the Fortune 500. And what that told me was that we are living in an era from the top down that's shifting, that people want to expand their consciousness and have authentic leadership and conscious leadership. And the days of zero sum winners, like you win and the other person lost gets right. to be over. And so I think that, you know, even right now, there's so many clients who come into my courses or my private practice and they are really struggling with masculine versus feminine energy. You know, we live in a time where women are breadwinners and it's really exciting to see how many women are getting educations and really showing up for their careers. And they're struggling with that in their romantic relationships. I'm sure you've heard of plenty of women who feel like they're just like, you know, kicking butt and taking names throughout the workday. And then they come home to their partner and they need to soften. They need to soften yeah. into the connection. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to move. And I think the trademark of an evolved soul is someone who can move through both energies. And yet I think a lot of um, people struggle with changing gears and um, coaching and wellness and self-reflection has become the medicine of our time. And that's why we're seeing a lot of companies have people like me coming in and helping their staff really figure out what their skills are. You know, the amount of Fortune 100 companies who have reached out and asked me to educate their employees on who they are, to use the work that I have in my book to help people self-reflect so that they can find a career within their company that works for them versus leaving and them having retention problems mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. So even companies are picking up on the importance of self-awareness, self-reflection, and no longer like squeezing employees like they're like the last of a toothpaste tube, but instead mm-hmm. valuing their well-being and realizing that this is going to serve their long term. And that makes me think of surviving versus thriving. Yeah. Like the squeezing of the tube, I was like, that is so surviving. Having your employees just survive throughout the day. No, you want your employees to be thriving right. and enjoying life. Right. And I think a lot of the leaders out there and what you're teaching and what leaders are learning is compassion for their yeah. employees. 
hundred percent. And we have such a deficit of that. And um, it's, it's almost like there's been an upheaval and they have no choice, but to, to indulge in that. Mm -hmm. Because people will leave. Yeah. Okay. So you, you say something that I find fascinating and you might've already covered it with different words, but you say that you, that people should not follow their passion. Please explain. Yeah. I think that, you know, um, there's certain statements that get embedded into our culture. And I think the best way to get a pulse of where our culture is at is through Google because it's where people are typing in the middle of the night when they're nervous Mm -hmm. or they're thinking their innermost thoughts. And there's this thing called the Google Ngram. And from the 1980s, you see this idea of follow your passion taking off in the search engines of Google, which shows us that this became a concept that became entrenched and enmeshed in society. The problem with follow your passion is it sounds really inspiring, but you know what? There's a big difference between being a producer of something and being a consumer of something. I love consuming fashion and politics, but I would be a horrible fashion designer and way too sensitive of a politician. I also love consuming cupcakes and massages, but I should not be a baker and I don't have strong hands to be a masseuse. So being passionate about something by no means equates to being talented at it. And your career is not necessarily a place where you have to find your purpose. It's a place where you get to contribute to the world. Your life as a whole has so much opportunity for you to find your purpose. And it's so important that you're able to look at your career and say, this is where I get to contribute. So instead of saying, what's my passion? Saying, where can I contribute in the best way? Where am I gifted? And where can I help it shine? I love that distinction. Yeah, it's been like the cornerstone of of my work. And um, I still can't, I I say this without judgment. It's just, I still am surprised that so many people are trying to find their passion because to me, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is turning your art into your work. Like nothing kills creativity and and love and art and inspiration, like putting a deadline and a boss on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love singing. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm not going to be a professional singer. However, I can sing. I can go karaoke, which I haven't done in a very long time. I can sing in the shower. I can sing in the car. So yes, I think yes. maybe that's a good example. Like it's about being also being realistic. Are you really going to turn yeah. what you're obsessed with doing, what brings you joy in a certain way into a career? Not necessarily. Exactly. <laughs> but I also love relationships and dating and helping people right. with that. And that is a career. So I, Exactly. I really like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So what about a few more minutes? Um, one of my, another of my favorite topics, confidence and how to really get there by healing and limiting beliefs. Yeah. I think anyone right now, you can fill in the blank in your head. If I say to you, I'm not where I want to be in my career because, like fill in the blank. Why? because I don't have experience, because I'm not old enough, because it's too competitive, because it's too hard to get the degree, because it's too late. What is the reason for why you're not where you want to be? Usually, more often than not, your reason is a limiting belief. It's not real. And I understand that it feels real, and I can validate you for that. But the truth of the matter is there's someone out there at the same level of experience as you doing what you really want to be doing. And the only difference between them and you is what's going on in their head about it. So it's so important to take a look at your life, to take a look at what were the conversations like in your home growing up about success, about money, about failure, about love. Like 
What did you learn to be true? What did you witness to be true? Um, you know, I remember having a business coach once like 10 years ago, she had a really young son. He was like four or five and I was doing a work day with her and she charged top dollar for that day. And she was really talented. So rightfully so. And I remember her son walked in and she said to him, you know, Ollie, I've, I'm with a client, so I can't see you until five o'clock. And he looked at her and he said, clients, 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 one day I'm going to have a lot of clients too. And he closed the door. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this kid has witnessed a successful entrepreneur and it's influenced the blueprint that he has in his mind about what's available. Why would you go searching for something you don't think exists? That's insanity. So if you believe that that's what's real for you, you're going to go looking for that. You're going to go creating that. You're going to go tuning into that. And so this kid is looking for his own success. He knows that it's available to him. And so I would ask yourself, if you want to know how you're doing in that category with your limitations, just look at your results. Where do you feel like you're being limited? So for people that don't have models of success, then it doesn't, it still doesn't matter. It's okay because you can still say, well, what is my limiting belief? My limiting belief is I don't deserve this. I'm not capable of this. But then you turn into, you tune into what is the truth. And even though you haven't seen it, you have to you have to take that leap and believe it anyway that yeah. i am worthy of success yeah i think one powerful mechanism in that is community like i came out i was 5 i remember at my preschool graduation and i opened up my book with this where i talk about coming up to the mic and the principal asked us all as kids what do we want to be when we grow up and i said i wanted to be a poet a mother and and an author and years later here i am i wrote a book but why did i get a book deal because all my friends were getting book deals and they made it seem normal. So community is huge. Like who are you surrounding yourself with? You get to choose that. You get to up-level your mind. You get to get on Facebook or Eventbrite or meetup.com and you get to start, start from scratch and find people. You get to make a dinner reservation for five people and fill it with five strangers that you don't know for the sake of community. You get to start and hit the pavement with making a network that lifts you up. And so if you're feeling that you don't have that exposure to that kind of vision, it is so important that you start to read, work on your mindset. Um, you know, it's not like you need to pay for a therapist. There's so many books out there, whether it's mine or someone else's to help you with your mindset in your career, no less. Um, but also start creating that community that's going to lift you up. Yeah. And they say, and now it's so cliche, but you are the product of the five people that you spend the most time with. So, and I totally, that's what we're talking about. I totally agree. You know, as a child, we don't necessarily choose our friends because you're in school. Sometimes it's a small school. However, as an adult, you know who you are. Seek out those people that are like-minded, not literally exactly like you, but that motivated, go-getter mentality, learn from people. And I could not agree more. Just spend time with people that lift you up, that have good energy and anybody else, bless their souls, but with use your intuition, now you know the difference. Exactly. Okay. So this is amazing. You're amazing. How can people find you? How can people find your book? Everything. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, and, and no less, I think I'm fighting COVID today. So I'm like sitting here just flying off with, um, you take the test yet? I I keep testing negative, but I feel like that's what everybody says. Um, as far as finding my book, it's available everywhere that books are sold. Um, Amazon, 
um, book depository if you're abroad uh, outside of the United States. And it's called U-Turn, Y-O-U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. It's bright yellow. You can't miss it. And then my show, The U-Turn Podcast, is everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And I would love to hear from you on Instagram at Ashley Stahl. Hear what you think of it. Perfect. And Ashley's spelling is right here. Um, everybody can always find me at therelationshipexpert.com. Ashley, you are so impressive. I know that people are going to be so inspired by this episode and I hope people reach out to you. I'm sure they will. And thank you so much for joining us. I hope you feel better. Thank you. Thanks for having me so far. So good. Just a little tired and achy, nothing crazy. Get some rest, take care of yourself, which I know that you're good at. Thank you. So thank you and thank everyone for joining us today. Join us every week. Love Talk Live on LA Talk Radio at 2 p.m. Pacific. Thanks so much. Have a great night. You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on LA Talk Radio.